Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are back with another show. The 49ers take on the Packers tomorrow. It's tomorrow night, 515 but I got to get a show in with my guy Sunil here, breaking down the strengths, weaknesses, and the concerns for the 49ers against the Packers. I got my guy, though. We're going to be tuning it up right after this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program. A couple of shows this week. Had one on Monday with my guy Wayne, had one with Marco, and now we are capping it off on a Friday with my guy Sunil. How you doing, my man? Doing good, man. I'm not used to the uh, just the countdown intro. I'm used to, you know, getting pumped up with, with the 49er videos, Fred, Fred Warner, you know, pumping up the team. I, I was expecting, I was expecting yeah. better. Let's start it off with the shot. I was expecting better, Rohan. I am lazy. I'll say that. I am still, so I'm, you know, as I go on to StreamYard, I have still to put on a video clip into the background, into the background. So I have to just upload it, but I have been lazy. That's the unfortunate reality. But Sunil, we are here with a nice show today, talking some 49ers. Let's break it down real quick with the Packers 49ers injury report, because that was kind of the thing that came out yesterday. We now know the final diagnosis for a lot of the players. And I have to say it's pretty positive for the 49ers. If you're looking at the injury report, the only guy that kind of missed practice, it seemed like it was the same diagnosis throughout the week with Cleveland Farrell being the main guy that kind of missed the week. It seemed like it was anticipated after he got that week 18 injury, he'd probably miss one game. It was going to be a multi-week injury. But he's out with the knee. The only other player on the injury report is Dre Greenlaw with uh, the Achilles. I think it was Achilles tendonitis that he owes also out in week 18 for. He was questionable, but he practiced in limited fashion two days. And, I mean, if you're asking me, there is 0% that Dre Greenlaw does not play on Saturday. There's no chance he doesn't play after he, you know, he participated in practice twice. No chance he doesn't play. Yeah, I mean, this is the healthiest, obviously, the 49ers have been uh, going into any playoffs that I could think of, especially maybe since 2019. And even then, um, I think this team is healthier because, you know, that year we had some big names that were that were injured um, throughout that playoff series. But, yeah, I think the big thing um, to me, Rohan, are, you know, the guys, the depth has come back. Right. And and for me, if you if I'm going to look at what what um, unit ha- is the biggest weakness to me, it, it's been the special teams and having those guys come back, those depth pieces come back. 
bolster up that special team. So um, I think that everything's pointing in a positive direction for the 49ers with, you know, the offense being totally healthy, defense being totally healthy. And then now you have your special team aces back and, you know, Odom and, you know, uh, you know, and, and those guys. So field position should, should be once again, uh, you know, a positive thing for the 49ers. So ultimately, you know, everything is pointing in the right direction. Yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, that's another one that you talked about, George Odom, who I didn't mention. He was a guy I did not expect back, but he practiced in full the last two days with that bicep injury. And that's big because what have the 49ers done at safety? They've kind of been rotating with veterans the last few weeks without Odom. Obviously, Odom was injured, I believe, uh, the week after Teleno Hufanga. So they've been short on safety depth. That is a, you know, that's that's a positive going into the playoffs that he is back. As for the, I don't know. We having some technical difficulties or you got a message? I did get a technical difficult. No, we are good. I am sure. <laughs> okay. I yeah. No, it was a it was a mix of both. A message came on the screen, and then the technical difficulty came after that. But we are good <laughs> now. But what I was mentioning though is the Green Bay Packers. If you look at it, the 49ers are not as injured as the Green Bay Packers, which is interesting because a lot of people were putting concerns about the 49ers coming out of that Week 18 game. How is it going to be? Our Garmstead is also back, but then if you look at the Green Bay Packers, players like Jair Alexander are not playing, you know, and, or sorry, not playing. They are questionable. So what do you take away from things like that? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I think not bringing up Ark Armstead is, you know, a huge failure on my part. I think that's one of the biggest returns, right? Because ultimately when you look at how the Green Bay Packers beat Dallas, it was the strength in their running game. Obviously, Aaron Jones coming back, he had a big game in, in, in Dallas. And the 49ers, if you're going to say maybe one aspect of the defense is hit or miss, um, you would say it's the run defense, even though they are pretty staunch. I don't think they've allowed a 100-yard rusher throughout the whole season. But a huge part of their rush defense is Ark Armstead. Having him there, I think, is going to be huge for the interior. And then, obviously, um, I think that they'll be able to get more pressure uh, onto Jordan Love, which is also going to be a, a key component in in uh, messing up the, the Green Bay Packers' momentum. Now, I think that J Jair um, Alexander injury is going to be huge because, to me, Rohan, he is obviously their best corner. And yeah. you would think that – you know, he played a big, I think, a big role, you know, in Dallas, like locking up C.D. Lamb a little bit. And, you know, C.D. Lamb didn't have the game that you you would have expected. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, Jair Alexander. He's obviously a leader on that defense. And if he's hobbled, you know, I, I not only not only, um, you know, being able to defend the routes on a on a game, I think it's an ankle, right? Ankle or knee. Um, mm -hmm. uh, being able to, you know, defend the routes, but more importantly, we know that the 49ers biggest attribute with their, with their weapons is yards after the catch, having a, 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 a not being able to plant 
correctly, not being able to be as nimble on, on your ankle or whatnot, that's going to affect his ability to tackle these guys. And if you can't, you know, if you're not disciplined in tackling Debo and tackling IU Kittle, like these guys are going to be able to go off and, and, and have those, you know, turn those 10 yard plays into 30, 40 yard plays. So I think that's going to be a, a big um, issue if he's, if he's, you know, obviously he's going to be, there's going to be some level of injury there. Uh, and I, and I expect the 49ers to take full advantage of it. No, I think that that's, uh, you know, a, a good topic. One thing I want to mention with Arik Armstead, as I transition to a different portion of the show, is what does Arik Armstead bring that I think is going to be extremely valuable in the playoffs? That is his run defense. Armstead's the team's best run defender. And if you look at the playoffs, kind of the formula for success in the playoffs, it's being balanced, something I wrote about this week. And it's also having a strong run game to complement a good pass game. Even like, you know, even with some of the marquee teams, you've seen some other teams struggle in the AFC and NFC in the past when they haven't been able to run the football well. One that comes to mind in particular is the Buffalo Bills, who really struggled to run the football when, you know, when there was Devin Singletary leading the charge, not against Singletary. They just didn't use the running backs as much. And so that was kind of a thing. But really, the 49ers. That's something that's going to be important. Stopping Aaron Jones, not running the football as much. I think that that's going to be an integral piece of the formula because if you kind of not eliminate, but slow down Aaron Jones, who had 118 yards and three touchdowns last week, if you can slow down his production, you make it more hard or harder on uh, Jalen, oh, sorry, Jordan Love to kind of be able to do his job. And again, this is a rookie not a rookie but a first year quarterback in a playoff scenario i personally think love is extremely talented when i was ranking playoff quarterbacks i had love at four maybe it's a bit of a projection i i have love as i think the top nfc quarterback on my rankings right now and that's pretty darn high praise again like i said yesterday all of my uh, when when i'm talking about projections all of those top quarterbacks are franchise quarterbacks. The top, they're in my top thirteen. It might be why one or two spots that you know each differs and interchangeable. But in a with a guy with not only love being experienced, but that entire receiving core kind of having one to two years of playing experience in the NFL under their belt, zero playoff experience. I think that taking away their most experienced guy on offense, which is Aaron Jones, would be really key into kind of putting more pressure on the Packers, especially. When the Packers, I don't know if they're going to have the defense to field what the 49ers do on offense. Yeah, and ultimately, when you become, you know, one-dimensional with this defense, it's game over, right? The the Especially when you have to, you know, play from behind, um, you know, which Green Bay, if they, if the defense can't hold up, we know that the offense is fully healthy and, you know, CMC is going to be fully healthy. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan having an extra week to, um, you know, plan for for a team. We know how um, dangerous he is uh, off of off of that. So, and right. scheming up for that, and you know, he he's had um, Matt Lafleur Matt Lafleur's you know number um, in the playoffs and just overall. And now he has, I think, the best team that he's had ever you know under the 49ers and with all the weapons at his um at his fingertips and a, and a quarterback that 
I think is the best fit for his system that he's had um, ever um, here in San Francisco. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Ark Armstead plays a big role in turning, potentially turning um, Green Bay into a one-dimensional team, putting the whole game on Jordan Love's shoulders. And I agree with you. I mean, the kid's from Bakersfield, my hometown, so you know I love him. But um, that's a lot to ask for a, a young quarterback, right. for any quarterback, man, to to you know put the whole team on your shoulders and against you know a, a top five defense with rushers like Chase Young and Nick Bosa and um, you know uh, Javon Hargrave, Ark Armstead, you know there and Fred Warner and Greenlaw, you know. So like, there's a lot that Jordan Love is, you know, this is going to be a lot quicker game for Jordan Love in the sense that I don't think he's going to have the ball as much as he had against Dallas. And I also don't think that uh, Dallas's defense, even on paper, maybe looks similar to the 49ers, but they definitely didn't bring it against him. But one thing I think that maybe is less spoken about, um, but I think that's important, uh, Rohan, is Ark Armstead is part of the group that's been here with the 49ers that's been part of the yeah but just haven't been able to get over the hump yeah been one been one of those yo we're the best team in the league but never been able to win the big one and i think him coming back can really ground you you're hearing a different message um from the team guys like fred warner are are really locked in in a different way than i think i've seen in the past and i think that this team is is feeling not feeling pressure Rohan but I think they understand what they have and I think that guys like Armstead guys like Warner guys like you know Kittle Yushchek these guys know that these opportunities aren't going to be forever mm-hmm. and I think that there's a different level of focus the fact that they're this healthy the fact that they have this these weapons the fact that they're this stacked on both sides of the of the ball Rohan I think they understand that this is a year of destiny. And I think that their arc Armstead coming back is going to add to that focus of that core that can keep maybe some of these younger guys that might not understand the moment or, you know, might take the, these moments for granted. I think they're going to keep them focused. And I don't think we'll see any kind of letdown like maybe some other teams like the Eagles and that Dallas, you know, that we've seen in the playoffs, I don't expect that at all from this 49er team. I think that's a good breakdown, right? If you're talking about letdowns and things like that, which is why I want to transition to a topic that you were alluding to a little bit, but I want to ask, what are your kind of biggest reasons of optimism for the 49ers? You can kind of preface it around this game, but also throughout the entire playoffs. We talked about injury health. What do you think are the reasons why the 49ers should be optimistic with the way things are going in the NFC, with the way things are going with their team and in the NFL overall? Yeah. I mean, I think the list is long, right? We were talking about the team of destiny, obviously the NFC being down when you, when, when we're going into the season, Rohan, if we were to talk about what teams do we feel like are the biggest threat to the 49ers in the NFC, my, my team was the Eagles. And I think the other team that people were mentioning was the Cowboys and both of those teams being eliminated, um, be, you know, before the NFC championship game or the 49ers even have to play them is, is going well. And then going into the playoffs, I think the team that everybody was 
saying, oh, this team could have the 49ers number was the Rams, and they got eliminated as well. So you're looking at the, the teams that are remaining in the NFC, and I don't think any of them really pose a threat to the 49ers. So there's that, right? The route to the Super Bowl, I think, is, is a lot easier than in, in previous years. But to me, Rohan, the biggest thing is this is the first time I think this is a complete 49ers team. And what I mean by that is we've always had like a, 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 a I think this team has always been led by the defense in, in previous years where they've had a dominant defense and you were hoping that the offense could, you know, or the defense could hold on long enough for the offense to finally get something going. Right. This offense is different. I don't think the defense is as dominant as previous years, but they don't have to be because this offense can be dominant and is more consistent than any offense under Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers previously before. One thing that I always used to talk about in previous breakdowns was, was that I was looking for a 49er team that could play four good quarters of football consistently, be able to score in every, you know, in every quarter consistently and in the previous seasons that wasn't there even though the 49ers may be similar as far as their scoring offense it always came like in the second half or like with two minutes left in in the in the in the first half where they were kind of going in the two minute huddle it wasn't like through consistent drives from the opening drive all the way through to the 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 fourth quarter and this offense has that ability you know Brock Purdy I think um understands this system and plays this system very, very well. The weapons that he has and CMC, Debo, IU, Kittle, Jennings coming back. Like, I, I think that there's just a lot of positivity going there. And then even though this team, this defense isn't as dominant, Rohan, and I'll, I'll pass it off to you because I know I'm talking a lot. But um, even uh, to me, the secondary of this defense being healthy and having so many ball hawks, I think is 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 great because being able to get turnovers I think is going to is is detrimental to any team, right? If you're turning the ball over, um, you know, that that that's whoever wins the turnover battle usually is going to win the game. And right. I think having different levels, not only the corners and and Ward and Lenore and Thomas that could get interceptions, but you know, Gibson and and Jair Brown being able to get interceptions as well, I think is we haven't had that in, in quite some time. So there's just a lot that this team hasn't had that have been maybe uh, weaknesses in the past. And it seems like this is the year where everything is a strength. I, I think that that's a good point. You know, I mean, you bring up a lot of stuff. You bring up mainly though, that this is a complete team with the offense complementing the defense. Well, this is the best offense that Kyle Shanahan has had with the 49ers in his entire career. And that's saying something because the 49ers have ranked among the highest offenses in terms of statistics, like yards, points, whatever it might be. They've ranked, uh, you know, it, it, they've they've been up there in a few of these years, but this year the offense truly feels explosive. You have a quarterback willing to you know throw the football to every every portion of the field. You have a quarterback who's willing to be aggressive, and that was the main thing lacking from years past. You also have ascensions from receivers like Brandon Ayuk. You still have uh, you know your your four headed monster with Ayuk, Kittle, uh, Samuel, and McCaffrey. All four of those guys are healthy. McCaffrey getting the rest, and then defensively, it's not like you're taking too much of a step back, right? 
I mean, you still have uh, you you have two defensive tackle stalwarts in Armstead and then Javon Hargrave. You got Nick Bosa, you got Fred Warner, you got stars at all levels of the field. Trevorius Ward is an All Pro, right? He he he's an All Pro. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Caliber player right now. And so he's back there as well. You've got a lot of talent on this team. I think that's important because the talent, not only is it coming together at the right time, but they're also remaining healthy at the right time. I think that's big. A second reason of optimism, and I don't want to sound, you know, um, I'm not trying to sound cocky or whatever, but the NFC is weak. They're weak. The NFC is much weaker than the AFC. Even if you involve the three teams that Sunil mentioned that could have been the biggest threats to the 49ers in Dallas, Philly, and LA, the NFC is weak. Because if you're talking about title contenders, you're usually pointing to Baltimore, Kansas City, Buffalo. You're pointing to those type of teams, and those are all in the AFC. Oh, I mean, obviously, alongside San Francisco and things like that. But, you know, the NFC right now, I think the Niners have to be overwhelming favorites to win the 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 the, the conference title. I mean, they're ten near 10-point favorites against Green Bay. I would imagine, regardless of the team that they play next weekend, they would probably be touchdown favorites. They're probably going to end up at seven-point favorites, which is not usually precedented for a championship game. Because I, I honestly think Rohan, this is the toughest team that out of the out of the you know out of the three that are left. I think Green Bay is going to be the toughest opposition, and I don't even expect this game to be close. I like your point because if I were to pick, you know, heading into the playoffs, who the two teams that I would not, you know, the two teams that not I would not want to play, but the two toughest teams, I think Rams were number one for me. Packers were number two for me just because of the way the other teams have played. The Cowboys, the 49ers have their number, and you've seen they don't play well in the playoffs right now. I mean, uh, Tampa Bay, their offense, you can consider it suspect. I think they're run really well by Dave Canales. Um, but I think the 49ers have the, you know, have the personnel to break that team down with their run game. And then in, in, as a result in their pass game, Detroit's solid. But do you trust Jared Goff uh, against the 49ers with this defense? Do you trust him to lead you to a playoff victory? And then obviously the Eagles have a horrendous defense. That That defense just plummeted. The last few games of the season, it was awful, and they're 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 playing with their players, and it was awful. That's that that tells you something. And so, yeah, I think you're right with you talking about this Packers team because the Packers team is the one that is playing with nothing to lose. They're a seven seed. Absolutely, we're not expected to be here. They were three and six at the midway portion of the season. End up nine and eight. And they just knocked off the number two seed. You know, they're coming into Levi's. They're coming in with a vengeance. They've got a young team, you know, a young, ambitious, talented team. And then defensively, you still have some good players. You know, it's not the players that's mainly the issue. It's usually been, uh, you know, scheme matching up with the personnel. You still got Jair Alexander. You still got Kenny Clark. You still got Rashawn Gary. You still got, you know, a couple of good players. But I think that that, you know, the, the, the NFC being as it is, I think that's a second reason for optimism. The third, I'll point specifically to this game. The one position Kyle Shanahan loves to exploit when it comes to defenses is that linebacker position. I cannot see 
Green Bay's linebackers, keeping up in coverage with the things that Kyle Shanahan looks to throw. Quay Walker, nice young talent. Isaiah McDuffie, he's questionable, but he's another player who should play uh, if he if he ends up being active. Those guys, I just don't see them matching up well in coverage against guys that the 49ers will like to throw in their backfield or even you know with the way that they do their motions in the slot. Different guys like that. Yeah, and and I mean, the, I think the one thing that Green Bay does well that has given the 49ers issues in the past is the quick underneath type receivers, which I think Green Bay has a plethora of them, right? Green Bay doesn't necessarily have a wide receiver one, but they have a lot of capable receivers. And it kind of, you know, Jordan Love has talked about it, that not having a, a bona fide wide receiver one gives him the ability to just throw to whomever is open. And I think they have like capable receivers in these young guys. But one thing that the 49ers do really, really well in the secondary is tackle. So I just think that, I think that, you know, the defensive line is going to be able to take advantage of, you know, take advantage of the rush. Uh, and it's good. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm being overconfident Rohan, but there hasn't been one thread of doubt that the 49ers are making the Super Bowl this <laughs> for me, like, um, and even winning, you know, I, I think that they match up well with whomever comes out of the AFC. And I feel like the AFC is kind of going to beat themselves up and the 49ers are going to just kind of be there healthy and, and waiting. Um, but I don't expect any of these games, this game and then the NFC championship game. I don't expect them to be close, my man. I just, I just think the 49ers just have it this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that in the sense that they come out of the NFC, I believe that right now, unfortunately, when I, you know, made my little ESPN pre uh, playoff bracket prediction, I do have them losing in the Super Bowl, which has kind of been my prediction for a majority of the year. I do have them losing when they go to the Super Bowl, but I think that that matchup will be a very fun one. As for the NFC, I don't see either of the two teams apart from Green Bay beating the 49ers at Levi Stadium. I think that's a crucial portion of it. I don't see them beating them at Levi Stadium. Yeah. And I mean, even the Super Bowl is what a couple hour flight in Vegas for this. So it's like kind of oh, like a home. They, 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 they're gonna crowd it. They're gonna you know <laughs> that they're going to crowd it. That's that's what they're going to do. I was looking at Super Bowl tickets. I was like, yeah, this is too rich for my blood. But um the cheapest ticket I saw was like eight thousand dollars. I was like, I, I ain't got it. <laughs> that's funny Sunil we talk about you know the optimism we're, we're pretty confident as it is but can you tell me some reasons of concern that you kind of have on your mind yeah I mean be? there's a couple I mean obviously we're talking I, I do believe the 49ers win big but the one thing that uh, is, is a level of concern is if for some reason this game is close Right. So there's there's two things. One, we haven't really seen Brock Purdy um, or, you know, just Kyle Shanahan in general be able to win games if they're, you know, from, you know, they're they're down in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, usually if it's tight, that's because Brock Purdy isn't playing well, which, you know, could obviously lead to issues. But if it's close, I, how much faith do we have in Jake Moody? to be able to, you know, um, 
kick a game-winning field goal or make field goals in, in crunch time. We obviously know that his confidence can be shook. Um, we know that he, uh, you know, he's missed some big ones. Um, one that's, you know, lost a game for us. But even recently, you know, in, in the last few week, few games, like he's been shaky. Uh, luckily, it hasn't affected the ability, the team's ability to win. But you know, a close game, I think Rohan is where that 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 would be the cause for concern, just because that ha- we haven't seen the 49ers really be dominant in those close games where they could just confidently pull it out, you know? Um, so I think that's it. But, but once again, I, the chances of that, I think are, are, are very slim until they get to the Super Bowl, just because I think they're overwhelmingly better than the teams in the NFC, but that would be my, the cause for concern. If it gets close and it gets tight and then the it's on Brock Purdy to, bring this team back or Jake Moody is going to be needed for a clutch kick. I think that those are good points. I mean, the Moody one is especially relevant because it's recent, right? You talk about him missing two kicks at the end of the week, you know, at the end of uh, week 18, that's not a good sign going into the playoffs because it's unprecedented, not unprecedented, but it's an unknown with Jake Moody. You don't know how a rookie kicker performs in the playoffs. If you look at his numbers from this year, it's hard to judge sample sizes for kickers because, again, their volume isn't nearly as high as any other statistic in the NFL. But Moody ranked 20th in overall, uh, you know, field goal percentage this year at 84%. There were 19 other kickers better than him that were qualified, meaning uh, I believe every other kicker on top of him on that list, except for one, Riley Patterson, who spent time between two teams and kicked 18 field goals, Every other kicker had more than uh, more field goals than Jake Moody, more attempts, and were able to convert at a higher rate. So, again, the reason that I, I don't know how much stock I put into it is because kickers, you miss two, three kicks, your percentage goes, you know, it plummets just like that because of the low volume. But then again, that is why at the very beginning of the season, I said the one position where the 49ers cannot afford to wait and develop is at kicker. Now, do I think that uh, Jake Moody is an issue? Like, is he a concern for the future? No, I don't think so. I mean, again, you you while you don't want to develop him, there is a, a, a slight additional layer of leeway, and he's performed well in certain moments. But if you look at the regular season, he did cost the 49ers two games. They should have been, you know, they should have won that Cleveland game when he had a 40-yard field goal. They should have won Week 18 when he costed them with four points. And again, it did not matter. The 49ers got the one seed and were able to clinch it up prior to week 18 anyway. But these are things that you will have lingering at the back of your mind after Moody missed two kicks in week 18. So I think that is one of the concerns that if you were going to come up with a list of concerns, that would probably be one on your list. Again, if that's the the you know the level of concern with the way the 49ers score touchdowns, it might not be the biggest concern after all. But you have to you have to point that out. Elsewhere, I think if you're talking about this team, I think the fourth quarter issues, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in putting stock into those just because I think if you look at statistics across the league, you'll see how teams when they're usually down eight points in the fourth quarter don't come back. But you're right in the sense that the 49ers sometimes have struggled to close out close games in key moments. I, I think 
the way that the 49ers win is a lot different than the way the 49ers lose. When the 49ers win this year, you see blowouts. You see them winning by multi-digit, uh, you know, double-digit scores. Sometimes you see them winning by a lot. I, I believe, especially in that second-half stretch, when you were, you know, winning a ton of games, it wasn't close. However, when they lost, it was almost always a close game. Talk, I mean, I don't care about Week 18 with that one-point game, but you talk about the three-game stretch in the middle of the season. Um, obviously, uh, the, the the Bengals game was a 14-point game, but the Vikings game, you were in it up until the fourth quarter. You were you were in that game the whole way up until about seven, eight minutes in the fourth quarter. The Browns game, you were in it till the end. And then, obviously, the the other loss was uh, the Baltimore Ravens game, where you know that one was probably their worst loss of the season where you have four turnovers and you kind of were out of it by the by the start of the second half and things like that. And so I think that that's a very good point that you bring up because this year also showed it that they've struggled sometimes to close out these close games. Yeah, and I mean, I think specific to the Green Bay Packers, I think the only way – because so I, I look at teams that have beat the 49ers in the playoffs in the past, and the most recent one that I, I remember is – Obviously, it's Eagles, but I think obviously we didn't have a quarterback. But the Rams game, you look at guys like Cooper Cup um, that have had big games against uh, the 49ers in the playoffs and his ability to play, you know, the slot receiver and win, you know, be that quick kind of short slant and things like that opened up, you know, the deep throws for. Uh, you know, OBJ to have a big game, you know, before he got injured um, and so on. But like, I think that Green Bay has that same ability with their receivers to have a lot of like the quick slants, things like that. So if the 49ers secondary isn't disciplined in their tackling and, you know, allow Jordan Love to get into his zone, you know, we've seen him be able to really dominate against a good defense in Dallas. So that's another concern, I would say. Um, looks like we lost Rohan, but he should be back. Uh, to Fernando, though, your thoughts on Kyle Shanahan not wanting to do fake punts? Um, I, I don't hate it. Like, um, to me, I think that uh, – sorry, I'm not the – host of the show. So I'm like just split screen right now. But um, to me, Kyle Shanahan is just conservative when it comes to special teams, man. He's not a guy like you see, like he's more than happy for his punt returners to just, you know, uh, fair catch it. He's more than happy for his kick returners to just down it, you know, and, and get the ball. I don't think that He's back. Um, I'm talking about Fernando's questions, your thoughts mm -hmm. on Kyle Shanahan wanting to do fake punts. I think that just Kyle Shanahan isn't one. He wants to minimize uh, risk as much as possible. And I think not doing fake punts is, is part of that. Like he feels like he could control the offense and, and you know, scheme up things and do some like trickery on offense when it comes to scheming things, but I don't think he feels like he has as much control in special teams and things like that. And I think he's just, he, he's just a stalwart and like minimize mistakes as much as possible. So all of those fake punts and things like that gimmick plays, I guess you could call them. Um, they're an opportunity for momentum to be 
taken away as well. So I think he just plays the the numbers and tries to keep it safe as much as possible. Now we can't go without a show without Streamyard kicking me out, unfortunately, for <laughs> a camera issue. But we are back, and I, I, I th- before I give my real take, I gotta say this, right? Like Kyle Shanahan saying he doesn't want to do fake punts. I think the best way to you know to do a fake punt is to publicly say I'm not going to do a fake punt, and then go ahead and just do a fake punt. Right exactly. In the game. So you I can play forty chess, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I think also a part of it is just like I'm sure the 49ers right now. I'm I'm they probably believe that they can beat any team straight up, and with the fake punt situation, you're right. I think that they're they. What I mean by that is they believe they're good enough of a team to where if they need to punt because they're in their own territory, they trust their defense to get a stop. And I think that, well, what I'm hoping, I don't know exactly what will happen, but we've seen it at times this year. When times call to be aggressive for Kyle Shanahan, you know, when you're near midfield, maybe you're probably in opposing territory, but maybe not close enough to kick a field goal, go for it, you know, screw the punts, go for it. You know, I, I, I know you can pin them, but I think that's the best way to get momentum and be aggressive and also keep the other team on their toes because if they just can't get off the field, you go for it. Again, situations call for it. There are certain situations that 100% call for you to kick a field goal, certain situations that call for you to go for it. But I, I, I don't really care about fake punts. The 49ers, if you're talking about Shanahan, this isn't something new. He he doesn't do fake punts. The one fake punt that we had this year was the Mish Wisnowski one where he kind of just went commando and just like did it on his own after, you know, seeing the hole and a little bit of a bobble. So that's kind of the thing that that's kind of the way that I feel about the fake punt issue. Yeah. And unfortunately to Kyle Shanahan's, you know, defense that didn't even work. Right. It ended up being a penalty on Ronnie Bell and, you know, they ended up having to re-kick it, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just part and parcel with Kyle Shanahan's personality and, philosophy when it comes to the offense and he's so exciting on offense with what he schemes like I don't think we need it you know like mm-hmm. obviously if, if the Lions um end up being who the 49ers face in the NFC championship game we'll probably see a lot of gimmick plays because that's big for the Lions right that's that's what they're known for gimmick play on one team followed by a gimmick play on the other maybe that's, that's <laughs> what we'll see but I mean, overall, there aren't too many concerns for the 49ers, I think. That's mm-hmm. kind of like the overarching theme. Go for it, though. What were you thinking? No, I had a couple of questions for you. I don't know if you have more questions lined up. Yeah, go for it. What do you got? So I wanted to talk to you because I think that uh, there's kind of a two-part question. Obviously, we both feel pretty confident that the 49ers um, are going to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. You don't feel like the 49ers are going to win it. I do feel like the 49ers can win it, but I do want to kind of put things in perspective. And obviously I know it's a little bit early, but I never know when I'm going to get on another show with you, Rohan. But I want to, I want to hear what you think a Super Bowl win does for the 49ers legacy. And then also what it does for Kyle Shanahan's legacy. I think it cements it. I, I think the one thing that has evaded this team is a Super Bowl. The Lions, for example, are a completely different situation. The one thing that evaded them for 30 years was a playoff victory. And so even if they lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by 40 points tomorrow, I or 
whenever they play. I think, yeah, I think that it's still going to be a successful season in their eyes. However, the 49ers have set a precedent for themselves over the last five years. They have made the NFC Championship every single time they've gone to the playoffs. That is the minimal. That is the like that is the like the lowest of the low bars because that's what the 49ers have done. When you consider this playing field, the expectation should be to win a Super Bowl. But I think the one thing that you know that 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 people view as a barrier between coaches, between players, whatever it may be, between different you know uh, different organizations is the championship ring. We saw certain teams, you know, um, when when you make it. It, it, there's a difference, you know, that's, that's how you start a, not start a dynasty, but cement a, like that dynasty is the dynasty. So I think that the 49ers winning a Super Bowl alleviates some of the pressure because Kyle Shanahan, now I don't think there's much pressure in terms of job security. I think that that's secure. Shanahan Lynch got multi-year extensions prior to the year, but I think that this adds to their legacy because that's the one thing, in my opinion, that has evaded Kyle Shanahan into being arguably the best coach in the NFL. That's the that's the, that's the main thing. If you talk about it, you're talking about guys like Andy Reid, multiple Super Bowls. You're talking about, you know, those type of, uh, of coaches. If you view Bill Belichick up there, it's because he's won Super Bowls, because he's created a winning culture, but also sustained winning cultures with the Super Bowl. And I think it also uh, 100% cements Brock Purdy as a, you know, as a guy who can do it. I think that's the biggest narrative of the entire thing. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the issues that people have online with Brock Purdy is that they don't believe he can win a Super Bowl. They don't. And so if Brock Purdy ultimately goes out there and shows that you can win a Super Bowl, I think it shows two things. One is something that I wrote in my article yesterday. There is a bit of a change in the narrative specifically this year around playoff teams. In the matchups that we talked about, about the wild card round, the better quarterback lost in all three of the NFC matchups. Matthew Stafford lost to Goff. Jalen Hurts lost to Baker Mayfield. And then, um, I mean, you, you can debate it, but Dak Prescott, with the way that he had uh, the season that he had, he lost yeah. to Jordan Love. And to me, what it shows is the quarterback is ultimately very important. But one thing that was true that we've seen a couple of times in the past is that elite quarterback play could elevate a, uh, a less superior team. Um, I think we saw that, you know, when Tom Brady went to the uh, went to the Super Bowl with the Bucks. We, we've seen that a couple of times, maybe more specifically on the AFC side. But this year, it seems like the better team is the one that's edging out because of the way the NFL might be changing in the playoffs. You need to be more balanced. You need to have this and that. You need to have, you know, a good defense. There are different elements that I think that are elevating teams more than others. And I think even the the the, the teams with juggernaut quarterbacks are. Or trying to evolve. You look at Kansas City, they've run the football a little more with Isaiah Pacheco, and more importantly, they've significantly improved the defense from when they initially started that dynasty. I think that that's one of the biggest things that the better teams might ultimately trump, and obviously, if you're talking about roster talent, I think the 49ers are up there, but I think not only does it push that narrative, but it also shows that Brock Purdy, you know, he, he he is that guy that many of us, including myself, believe, you know, he's in that franchise quarterback realm Everybody that is not, you know, on in tune with that puts him there. And I think even a Super Bowl ring pushes Brock Purdy above other guys who may not have won a Super Bowl ring yet. Yeah. Um, I think you know, the first part, what it does for the 49ers as a franchise and their legacy, it obviously breaks the tie with some pretty historic right. franchises, right? You know, obviously Dallas Cowboys being one, you know, to be able we we've obviously been a better franchise than them. 
um, especially over Kyle Shanahan's tenure. But as far as rings, we're still tied with them. So it breaks that tie. I think it breaks the tie with Pittsburgh as well, right? That would be uh, Pittsburgh, I believe, has six. They already have six. Yeah. So yeah. it would tie, I guess it would tie them. And I mean, I think the way this team is set up, you know, it, it could it could be the start of a dynasty, man. Like the the 49, at least a mini dynasty, right? Where I think the 49ers, you know, we already see Trent saying that he's gonna come back for next season, which is a big difference from last season where some people were thinking he was talking about retirement after the season or he's already pumped enough to like say he wants to come back next season. So I think that this team understands what they have. And at least this iteration of the team, a lot of these pieces are locked in for the next at least two years. So um, it could be the start of something magical. And I think for Kyle Shanahan, we see how much leeway coaches with one Super Bowl championship get you know you look at guys like sean payton mike tomlin mike mccarthy like these guys and i i want to put mike tomlin in his own category because i actually think he's a really great coach but guys like sean payton and mike mccarthy i think get a pass for huge coaching mistakes because they have that because they want to super bowl, bowl. right totally right and, yeah and so like and whereas i think kyle shanahan is already another guy real quick i didn't want to interrupt you but doug peterson he probably yeah. gets a second chance because he wins the Super Bowl. But go yeah, ahead. And, and I already think Kyle Shanahan is better than these coaches that I mentioned. But because he doesn't have that Super Bowl, that's what everybody points to. Like he can be because those guys have Super Bowls and Kyle Shanahan doesn't. I yeah. have always said the comp of Kyle Shanahan is Andy Reid. Andy Reid, before he won, won a Super Bowl, a lot of the same issues and questions about Kyle Shanahan that people have they had about Andy Reid, like, okay, he's great during the regular season. He could, he could get his team to his uh, NFC championship game, but he mismanages late games. He can't win the big one, yada, 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 yada. But once he won that Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, obviously all of a sudden he's now considered the greatest coach, right? Right up there with, you know, uh, Bill Belichick. And, you know, he's won another one since then, but I think Kyle Shanahan could have that same, momentum where he wins this one potentially could win another one in the next three years with the same team and then all of a sudden now you're talking about him as can he end his career because he's so young as the greatest coach of all time and that narrative Rohan to go from somebody who some of the fan base is ready to be like he's the reason why we can't win a Super Bowl to will overnight change to possibly can he end his career as the greatest coach of all time is wild that all of that could change over these next three games. Right. Because it's uh, another thing. And I don't know if you, you tie them directly together, but you know, we talked about close games, many anticipate super bowls and these type of high, you know, marquee games to be close games. It's the, how can you win marquee games? That's kind of the, the big question when it comes to Super Bowls, when it comes to playoffs, when it comes to coaching in the clutch and things like that. And so if Kyle Shanahan goes, you know, he he, he goes over that border, it, it cements his status as, you know, that top coach. Because what's the one other thing that Sean McVay, his own, you know, his own pupil or close friend has over him? It's a Super Bowl. Sean right. McVay as well. That was the That was the thing where a lot of people, if you're discussing Shanahan versus McVay, Sure, McVeigh has won, or Shanahan has won a ton of the regular season, but it's McVeigh 
who's the guy that's kind of been, you know, winning a lot. In- yeah, and, and, and some people will look at McVay and say he's the better coach, even though you look at the stats and Kyle Shanahan has had a better team and done better with his time in San Francisco, I would argue, than McVay has with the Rams. But McVay has that elusive championship, so it makes it – that trumps what Kyle Shanahan has done. Another thing, though, on the flip side, Rohan, you know, the one defense that we've always kind of us Shanna stands like myself have been able to like kind of defend Kyle Shanahan for not winning is like give him his quarterback and then let's talk. Right. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't win it this year, Rohan, there's zero excuses this year. If he's not able to do it, it's like, can he do it? Because he has his quarterback. He has the health. He had all of the excuses that you could have given him in the past for why things didn't go that way. He has the weapons. He has the talent. He has the path. All of these things, like, it could be his greatest coronation and be the trajectory to, hey, this is the, this is the next guy. Or it could totally be the opposite and be like, maybe the 49ers made a mistake keeping him like extending him and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because maybe he's just not, not that guy. I think that, you know, that's a a very interesting debate. I think the, the take that I had beginning of the year uh, when I was speaking with Ryan Hensley is um, when it comes to Shanahan, my, my win, not window in terms of, I, I don't, honestly, I don't believe he gets fired anytime soon. But I think my window in terms of cementing him as the top head coach or one of the top three, whatever you want to put, is 2025 in terms of you get two more years. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, two more years because that's the, the the window of his entire contract. More importantly, you talked about him having his quarterback. Brock Purdy's his guy now. That's when Brock Purdy's rookie deal ends. You have to win a Super Bowl within that time span. Obviously, the clock is ticking, and you've made an NFC championship. If you do it again this year, it'll be four in the last five years. You you, you want more than that. But that is my window. If if you cannot achieve it by 2025, when Brock Purdy is you know on that rookie, his rookie contract is done, you seriously have to question a lot of things with the 49ers organization because – you now will go into a completely different window. Obviously, we don't even know who's going to be on the team by then, but you go into a completely different window once you start having to pay that quarterback from $800,000 to whatever the top quarterback salaries are at that point. Right, right. Yeah, so it's going to be a completely different team. So my my hopes, the next two years, both chips, baby. Back-to-back, back-to-back Super Bowls for the 49ers. Let's see if that comes true. You did mention Trent Williams. I think that's where we're going to end the show because he did confirm he wants to come back for 2024. He said the main reason is because he wants that 12th Pro Bowl. Trent Williams obviously has been one of the best left tackles in NFL history. Left, uh, you know, he he's been that guy. He has now burned his 11th Pro Bowl this season, um, and I believe that a lot of them are consecutive. He, I know he had that one year off where he was obviously dealing with some health issues, and um, obviously that was with the commanders. But apart from that, he has 11 Pro Bowls. He wants 12 because currently he's tied with three other people. He'll break the tackle record if he gets 12, and that 
I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer. Like, let's not kid ourselves. But that would ultimately cement him as a Hall of Famer and the one of the, if not the best, left tackle of all time. Yeah, and I think that does huge things when we talk about the draft. Oh, yeah. Because that's where I'm going. I think that obviously that can change the strategy a lot where either you can put it off for another year if you know you, you don't have the right guy or you you may be able to take a guy that is raw with a lot of upside and be able to sit him and develop him behind Trent Williams and then be the you know kind of like the error in waiting for when Trent Williams eventually retires you have your guy there so I think that gives a lot of uh that's huge for the 49ers as far as having some more options there in the draft and maybe they focus on getting an elite player at a different position, uh, whether it be right tackle corner or whatnot, you know, instead of needing like, so right now I look at it, left tackle, right tackle corner are probably like the three, four shore positions that we would need like some young, some young studs at with left with him coming back at left tackle. Now you just focus on right tackle corner, which, you know, makes, I guess the, draft board a little bit easier um and realistic as far as being able to plug those holes yeah uh, I, I think when you talk about it it has major 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 implications for 2024 because if you did not have trent williams that would be huge the 49ers would then have to replace two tackles in this upcoming draft two tackles um, some of those guys, Kingsley Suyamata out of obviously BYU, Cooper BB out of Kansas State. Those are some guys in the draft, but it, it's a huge deal to replace two tackles when you have one first round pick. Right now, the 49ers with Trent Williams fully penciled in, which was their hope all along in 2024 when they looked at this plan a year or two ago, is now you're going to look at right tackle. You're going to likely draft a right tackle within the first two rounds because you're not going to go into next year with Colton McKibbins. I highly doubt he'll start next year. So if you can, if you only have to fill that one spot, that saves you a high caliber draft pick to then go around and fill out a different additional need. Perhaps it's that cornerback, perhaps, you know, wherever it might be, you have another draft pick where you can go around and take a need in the second or, you know, need best player available, whatever you might uh, look at in the second round. And I think that that is big. And I think it's also huge because the 49ers still could take two tackles, but it provides you a lot more flexibility. This is one of the deepest cl tackle classes I've seen in a long time. You could go tackle, tackle in round one and two, get your future guy on the left side to develop after one year. You could very, very much go um, uh, in, in that regard. But I, I think that's kind of where I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it. I yeah, think we've seen the – sorry, we've seen the 49ers have success with that with Aaron Banks, right, being able to pick him, you know, high as a second-round draft pick, have him sit for a year, and then come in and basically uh, replace an all-pro in Tomlinson with without any – without like batting an eye, right? Like I think, you know, Lake and Tomlinson was something where I remember the fan base when the 49ers allowed him to walk Rohan, we're just like, this is, I can't believe like the, the front office, how could they do this? Like an all pro uh, left guard and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden Aaron Banks stepped in there and nobody's talking about Lake and Tomlinson. And with all, like this is one of the moves I'm happy I got right. Cause I said, there's no chance you pay a guard 13 million. Lake and Tomlinson is not good. 
He is not yeah. good with the Jets. He is probably one of the more overpaid guards. I don't know whether it's system, whether it's just a lot of injuries on that offensive line, whatever it is, he has not been great. Well, it's a lot easier to play the position next to the great, the greatest left tackle of potentially the greatest left tackle of all time. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. So I think, I think that it's, I think the 49ers ability to develop offensive linemen is a little underrated. I think that a lot of people tend to not give them as much credit as far as being able to develop, develop offensive linemen. But I definitely agree with you, man. I think within the first two rounds, they take a tackle potentially maybe even two tackles like you mentioned, but, um, but going back to the original point, Trent Williams coming back, I think is a huge sigh of relief for the fan base. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan was super excited about that. And uh, the whole team overall is super excited about that. And I, I think, you know, even though he said he wants that other pro bowl, I think they, 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 they know what's how special this, this core is Rohan. And like I said, they have two more years with this core for sure. Let's see if they could go back to back. I, I I think that it's a possibility. We'll see what happens, obviously, with the offseason. But as for this season, definitely a possibility. We'll see how it goes. I think the 49ers, I mean, they're favorites right now. Like I said, I think they'll be pretty high favorites when it comes to next week. And uh, that's favorites it. favorites to win. win the Super Bowl, my that's, man. Huh? They're favored to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. But I mean, like, high favorites in terms of the point spread. They're probably, like, being a touchdown favorite in the NFC Championship game is wild. But yeah. that could be the case should the 49ers obviously beat the Green Bay Packers this weekend. We'll see how that goes. But, Sunil, I really appreciate your time today. We broke this matchup down, talked a little bit about the future as well in terms of the offseason, what we could expect. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Nah, man. Just, uh, it's exciting to be able to have this type of confidence going into the playoff weekend. Um, I I'm actually pretty excited about all the games. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to, it's been a pretty amazing playoffs, even though it's been a lot of blowouts, but it's been pretty exciting. All the matchups and, you know, we got what three more weeks of football, man. And then, uh, and then it's off to the off season. So got to enjoy these last uh, three weeks before, you know, before they're, they're all said and gone. Oh, yeah, that's going to be the biggest part. But, guys, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. This was a really fun show, and we got a game tomorrow. We got a game Saturday night. Make sure you all tune in, obviously. We might have a post-game show. We'll see if I go on with somebody or not. But appreciate you guys, and we will see you guys next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.